Thanks for tuning in to After Dark with Rob and Andrew, which is available on America Out Loud's iHeartRadio channel, along with streaming on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please be sure to search for America Out Loud. In addition to that, we're available on AmericaOutloud.news, which has thousands of podcasts and articles updated daily. And we always appreciate it when you share those on social media. I'm sure you guys will notice very quickly, but Rob will not be joining us tonight. Instead, we'll be joined by Greg Bolden, who's filling in, and we really appreciate that. Uh, host of America Emboldened on America Out Loud, which I'm sure you guys have all heard. If not, be sure to check it out. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Greg? Thank you so much for filling in. I am doing wonderful this evening. I'm glad to uh, take the seat, although it's a big seat to fill. I will try to do my best job. What say ye? Yeah, I hope uh, wherever Rob is, the heat hasn't been as oppressive as it has been here in Illinois, man. It's been, last week it was hitting 100 degrees with like uh, the heat index is like 120. It's just brutal. It really just wears you out by the end of the day. Uh, how's the heat been in your neck of the woods? Well, you know, the climate change, it's just hitting me oppressively. And, uh, you know, all of these electric cars and all that climate change, it's just sweltering heat here in Delaware. No, I'm kidding. Climate change, uh, you know, yeah, we have this ebb and flow and it's been hot, but I'm surviving. I'm back in the classroom this uh, past week, uh, getting things set up for my students. So that's been fun, uh, but adapting to uh, not having air conditioning set really low when I first came in. Uh, so feeling the heat as I'm feeling the heat of the school year at my uh, at my uh, toes. So it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, who knew it's August and it would be hot. But uh, speaking of climate change, perhaps we're going to talk a little bit about that and a lot of other issues that came up in last week's Republican presidential debate. Uh, I always like watching the debates. I know a lot of people were saying that they weren't going to watch this one because President Trump wasn't taking part uh, because it was on Fox News and they refused to watch Fox News at this point. But uh, I watched it. I enjoyed the debate. Uh, I thought it was missing uh, President Trump's presence uh, overall. I thought perhaps maybe uh President Trump came out on top. I don't think anyone really made a huge name for themselves off of this debate. Uh, in fact, starting off with Mike Pence, he was very aggressive in this debate, trying to make uh, his name coming after Vivek uh, Ramaswamy a couple of times, uh, just basically trying to cut in anytime he could and get as much airtime as possible. And uh, Mike Pence is actually a pretty good debater. I didn't think he had a great night because he seemed so out of touch on the issues and i think that hurt him but uh what were your thoughts greg on uh, mike pence's approach uh in this debate yeah so uh mike pence tried to be the uh elder in the room so to speak while trying to maintain the presidential stature uh, i felt that he did well as far as the way that he presented himself the problem is it's not what's needed this election cycle 
That might have worked, the whole Mitt Romney type of act where you get up in front of people and claim to know better than everybody else, to have the experience, the former vice president, so to speak, the way he was trying to sell himself. But if we saw anything with Mitt Romney, it doesn't play well to the rest of the voters. The electorate does not want that type of individual in this current type of election. People want something that is going to be refreshing. They want something that's going to move the spirit of America. And Mike Pence does not have the ability to move the spirit of America. I thought that his first line against uh, Ramaswamy, he said, we don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people without experience. And I thought that was a, a great way to try to differentiate himself from the youthfulness that was on the stage. The problem is, out of all the people that were likable on the stage, Ramaswamy was one of the most likable individuals. I don't think people should like him. I think that he has a dark past, and I did a show on it last week on the network about it, but that all stated, they're going to like the energy. He's Obama 2.0. Maybe he literally is Obama 2.0. Wink, wink. Uh, so, you know, I thought Mike Pence, he, he did a nice job in trying to establish himself, but he's kind of the old guard politics. And uh, I think that you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It, it missed Donald Trump. Because if Donald Trump's on that stage with Mike Pence and they start going into the whole January 6th stuff, I have no doubt about that Donald Trump would have mopped the floor with Mike Pence's little gray hairs. He would have uh, literally manhandled him. Uh, the fact that Donald Trump wasn't there, I think, was actually a smart move. Uh, he certainly was uh, somebody who, at this point, you know, here we are the next week after the uh, debates. There's over 200 million people that watch Donald Trump on Tucker, Tucker on X. So obviously he made the right choice. Meanwhile, uh, when I looked up the statistics for the debates, how many people do you think that they had, Andrew? I, I have the number. How many do you think they had? Oh, I haven't seen. I'm guessing five and a half million. Okay. They did better than five and a half million. So Fox News claimed that they had a whopping 12.8 million viewers without Trump. Now, that's 12.8 disenfranchised voters that were probably left pretty disappointed, don't you think? Right. Yeah. I'm a little surprised by that number. It's bigger than I thought it would be. But debates generally do do a very big rating. So I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. What I was also a little surprised about was Fox News seems to be hiding this debate. Uh, it's hard to find the uh, full debate on YouTube uh, the following days. Seems like they're not letting other channels put it up when in the past with presidential debates, you'd see them spread all over. You'd let um, some of these other like C-SPAN put them up on their YouTube channel and stuff, just all about getting as many people to see them as possible. And uh, Mike Pence, the uh, reason I brought him up, what was interesting about him is it wasn't deliberate, but there were a few times where he was actually defending President Trump and his administration's record because Mike Pence wanted to take credit for it. So there's mm -hmm. President Trump. He didn't even have to be at the debate. And uh, Mike Pence was defending his administration's record on uh, quite a few things like immigration, the economy, uh, COVID, and uh, several other things. So the, that actually worked out in President Trump's uh, favor, I think, that Mike Pence ended up qualifying for the debate. Well, you know, Nikki Haley was up there and she, I thought, had a really good opening uh, with pointing out the $8 trillion that got added on to our debt uh, because of the COVID relief. And she, she she pointed out something that we should be talking about. Like, you know, people that listen to my show, they know that I'm a conservative-leaning libertarian, right? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty uh, 
middle of the road, but lean a little bit more on the libertarian side and definitely more conservative than Democrat uh, liberal, but I'm not far, far to the right by any means. So when I heard Nikki Haley mention this, it kind of struck. Um, I like that. I, I, I like hearing the fact that somebody's going to level with people and say the uniparty, the Republicans and Democrats are selling out our country and our financial interest. And we can blame failed economic policies of both the Republicans and the Democrats that have led us here. And so when she came out swinging that way, I thought it was great, but it did open the door for Pence to kind of grab it by the jugular and say, you know what? I hear what you're saying, Nikki, but I'm proud of what our administration was able to do. And he took that opportunity to start the highlight immigration, start the highlight that the economy was doing great up until COVID. The people were able to afford everything. Gas was low. Uh, the groceries were low. Inflation wasn't out of control. Everything was uh, going well for the average American. So I thought that uh, Pence was able to rephrase Nikki Haley's win on her opening statement to make it a win for him. But I'm not sure it's a win for Donald Trump because I think that the COVID narrative, the COVID stimulus money, the mRNA vaccines, all of this, ultimately, Donald Trump has a lot of questions that he's going to have to answer. And Mike Pence was fortunate that the conversation did not go there about mandates. It didn't go there about the liberty type of uh, topics. So uh, you're right. He did do a good job in controlling and highlighting to what him and Trump accomplished. But I definitely think in future debates that aren't on Fox News, it's going to be choppy waters ahead as he sails the seas of the next debate. Yeah. And before we move on from uh, former Vice President Pence, I want to bring up uh, him and Bergram's disagreement on abortion, which was interesting as well as a constitutional argument. Uh, Mike Pence doesn't think that you should leave it up to the states. He wants the federal government to come in and uh, make some abortion demands or laws and put them on the books. And uh, Bergam thinks it's a state's issue. He said he doesn't agree with letting states like California and Illinois, uh, their abortion policies, but he says that's what the Constitution says. Uh, where did you side on that argument? I thought that was interesting uh, to hear a constitutional argument, something different for uh, these debates nowadays. So now you're talking my language. I love talking about the Constitution. I love talking about where the liberty movement is and the misunderstandings. I did a series of shows a few weeks back based upon the teachings of Michael Bednarik and his book, Good to be King. And in that book, he, he highlights this concept of we've turned to the Supreme Courts repeatedly throughout the years to tell us what's constitutional. But Andrew, I'm going to ask you a question that Michael Bednarik would want me to ask you if he was still alive. He would want me to ask you, Andrew, where in the Constitution does it state anywhere that the judicial branch gets to decide what is and what is not constitutional? Can you answer that question, Andrew? I cannot. Okay, that's because the judicial branch has no say in what is constitutional and what is not constitutional. So when you have politicians that are on the stage that are telling people that they want the Supreme Court to get involved or they want the state to get involved, that actually usurps the Constitution. See, the Constitution only outlines that we, the people, take our sovereign rights to the side. And the argument on abortion is actually very clear because we can go to the Bill of Rights and see that every single person has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So if you look at it from a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, then abortion is something that's robbing an individual, the baby, of a right to life. And so I think that the Supreme Court got the case 
perfectly stated a year and three months ago, whenever that was, June of 2022, when they said there is nowhere in the Constitution that gives you a constitutional permission, a privilege, because the Constitution doesn't give us rights. It, it helps define the privileges. It only defends our rights. So there is no privilege to have an abortion because it was directly related to the right to have the pursuit of life. And they they nailed it. So any politician that's going to go up right now, including Mike Pence, and say that, well, we can legislate this, we can make this happen, you can't. Because if we the people stand up and they say, look, the Bill of Rights is inalienable, we cannot in any way, shape, or form touch it, then therefore there's no need to legislate this. What we need to do is wake people up to understand that they have things that they were endowed by simply at birth. You have birth rights, right? A government does not provide any of that for anyone. Uh, so if listeners are, are, are kind of curious about this, I highly recommend checking out, you know, people like Paul Engel on the, uh, the constitution study on the network, uh, people like the late Michael Benark, they made this stuff really clear. And it's the reason why I'm able to, to kind of explain this type of stuff to my listeners on a daily basis. But yeah, that was actually a little bit more infuriating. I'm going to ask you, Andrew, did you see the comment that uh, Jen Psaki put out immediately after the debate saying that no one is for late term abortion? Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. And who does she think she's fooling? I mean, we've heard Virginia Governor Ralph Northam go into explicit detail on um, how late term abortion works and how he was basically endorsing it, saying there's nothing wrong with it. And we've just seen it time and time again with these abortion bills. And why don't they ask the uh, Biden administration or some of these Democrats, when is the cutoff if they're not for late term abortion? Uh, they're never clear about that. They just like to say that it's a woman's choice. Republicans are trying to ruin a woman's choice and they try and cite all these instances of mothers passing away and anything to avoid the argument of what is too late what when does it become a baby uh what did you think of pasaki's comments unbelievably hypocritical so i commented to her that i have a liberal on my show pretty regularly lefty layman and uh this is a guy who is connected into hollywood he's a producer of television and he speaks the language of a lot of other main liberals and we pressured him on my show during a debate how late was too late? And he said, up until the minute before the baby's born, he was okay with terminating the pregnancy. So to Jim Pisaki, I say, screw you. You know that you're lying to people, that there are individuals that think it is the woman's right to do whatever she wants to do whenever she wants to do it. And here's the reason why the states can't take control of that. Here's the reason why you can't say, well, it's a state's rights. This is the way the constitution reads. The states are not allowed to take any of your rights and litigate them and write laws into state record that would usurp the basic bill of rights, the right to life. It all comes back to that, which is why when you talk to anybody on the left, they refuse to call the fetus anything other than a fetus. They change the language. You can't call it a baby. You know, even though the lungs are fully developed at that point when it's late term, even though if it was born, they could keep it alive at 20 weeks, it would be in a NICU unit for a while, but you can't call it a baby, God forbid, because then you humanize and give a right to life. And so the language is very important. 
The left tries to, att uh, to attack language, to change the definition of things. And so this has been an intentional movement for a long time, decades of saying, well, it's the fetus. What is a fetus? It's a baby. As soon as we recognize that, you know, Andrew, the thing that gets me really fed up, if we were talking about puppies and dogs, people would be so upset right now and be like, oh no, we got to save every single puppy, every single dog. You can't terminate dogs. You can't euthanize dogs. You know, if somebody were to say, well, I just decided that my dog had a litter of five puppies and I decided to kill four of them because, you know, I just decided they didn't need to be in the world. I guarantee people would be so upset. Those innocent dogs. Why aren't people talking about the innocent babies? I am so done with the left on that topic. Yeah, you're so right, Greg. And it's never treated the same. And I thought the Republicans did a pretty good job hammering that point home on the abortion topic. Um, Ron DeSantis, I thought he was pretty he didn't really have any bad or embarrassing moments on the night, but it was a very um, insignificant night for him. He didn't take an aggressive approach. Uh, he didn't really come after anybody. Nobody came after him, to my surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, if you notice who uh, the guys talked to at commercial breaks, he was talking to uh, Chris Christie a lot, actually. And uh, Chris Christie was attacking President Trump. So got to kind of wonder if they kind of worked that out together where uh, Chris Christie says, hey, I'll take some of the heat for going after President Trump. It'd be interesting to see if Chris Christie eventually drops out and endorses Ron DeSantis. But we'll talk more about Ron DeSantis when we get back in his debate performance. You guys are tuned in to After Dark with Robin Andrew, which is available on America Out Loud's iHeartRadio channel, available Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, or 6 p.m. on the West Coast. We're here with special guest host Greg Bolden of America Emboldened. We appreciate him joining us tonight. We'll be back with more After Dark with Rob and Andrew and guest host, Greg. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix Rx is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix Rx throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix Rx banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The Miracle Enzyme Natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. 
Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We're back here on After Dark with Robin Andrew and special guest host Greg Bolden, who's kind enough to be joining us tonight. We're discussing the uh, Republican debate from last week. Uh, I left off talking about Ron DeSantis and maybe his alliance with Chris Christie. Uh, it was a very interesting to see what happened uh, with Chris Christie, where uh, he tried to come after Vivek, and I thought Vivek got him with a good zinger saying, you want to talk hate? And um, outrage, how about you pretty much joining this campaign just to go after President Donald Trump? And the crowd applauded Vivek. That was a bad moment for Christie, who's got a reputation of being a good debater. But uh, just like Ron DeSantis, I don't think he was a big uh, difference maker in this debate and missed out on an opportunity to uh, maybe enhance his numbers in the polls. Uh, after this debate, I think probably Vivek's the only one that's going to see a little bump in his numbers. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis will probably remain the same. Uh, what are your thoughts, Greg? So let's start with Ron DeSantis, or as Donald Trump likes to call him, Ron DeSanctimonious. <laughs> <laughs> so at the very beginning, we got to, before we can even talk about Ron DeSantis, we got to talk about the opening question because it really paints where Ron DeSantis went downhill. The opening question was about the song, Rich Men North of Richmond, which is a viral song that I've been playing basically on repeat in my car. I I listen to it a few times a day. It's soulful. It's awesome. And Anthony Oliver Music uh, put that out. So I just want to give him credit as I do it. But so they play a little snippet of this song, and then they go to the candidates to give an opening statement about, tell us, how do you feel that that song speaks to the people of America? And DeSantis gets up there, not realizing that the song is about people like him. See, the irony of Fox putting that song at the very beginning is none of those individuals can claim not to be the rich men north of Richmond. So the mere fact that they're using this, I I, I pointed it out on my Twitter page. I was like, this is irony at the highest level because he could have really taken the moment and said, you know what? He's correct. There's been too much corruption. We see it with the Biden uh, you know, crime family, with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. We've seen it throughout the years with Dick Cheney and Halliburton, what's happened overseas, uh, with us putting into endless wars. We saw it with Obama and the way we never declared wars and you just used drones and killed people indiscriminately, thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands. That is the rich men north of Richmond. It's the intelligence community. It's all these individuals. And then Ron could have said, I'm not one of them. During the pandemic, I was busy not shutting down schools. During the pandemic, I was busy making sure there weren't unlawful mandates. I was trying to make sure that people had their rights. And I think that he missed the mark by not distinguishing And all the candidates. It was a poor showing on that question because they didn't understand that they were being talked about personally, that they are those individuals that are having influence. But the main moment that I thought put the nail into Ron uh, his entire night was after his answer. Both my wife and I looked at one another and were like, what was that smile? Like it was, you could tell that he was coached how to give his first opening answer. And you could tell that at the end, they said, make sure you smile. And so he gets this 
half smile. I encourage your listeners to go on. I know there's memes that are already being published of Ron uh, just putting this up. DeSantis, we you've got to see. It's a little smile. He starts the sweat and he holds it to the point where his lips are quivering because he doesn't look like he's ever smiled before. Right. And in that very moment, he became unrelatable the rest of the night to the American public. And I thought that while he didn't do anything to hurt himself, he didn't have a moment where candidates attacked him. It was actually a bad thing because it meant he was completely vanilla in a field of individuals that were able to distinguish themselves over top of him. Tim Scott had a better night than Ron. And that's just a fact. Uh, it was a poor showing. And for somebody who used to be the front runner next to Trump, uh, I think his campaign's over. I don't see him recovering from last night. Yeah, Ron hasn't been blessed with uh, that politician charisma that like a Bill Clinton or a Barack Obama or even Donald Trump had, where he's just so quick on his feet and quick witted. Uh, I actually thought the worst moment of the night for Ron DeSantis was when the moderators asked everybody on the debate stage to raise their hand if they would support President Trump if he was the Republican nominee. And yeah, he kind of did the half raise his hand and he looked around the stage and made sure everyone else raised their hand uh, to begin with. And then uh, Chris Christie kind of seemed like he explained why he wouldn't follow through with the loyalty pledge. It doesn't sound like he's going to support Donald Trump. And uh, Asa Hutchinson admitted that he's not going to support Donald Trump. So what was even the point of the loyalty pledge if no one plans on following through with their commitment signing the loyalty pledge? I mean, you had two guys up on stage right there um, admitting that they're not going to support Donald Trump. Well, first, you got to address the loyalty pledge because Donald Trump refused to sign it as well, because (laughs) he's like, if it's not me, I'm not saying that I'm going to support somebody like Christie or one of these other candidates. Andrew, we're we're in really perilous times for our country. I I can't stress stress this enough on my show. Like we are at a spot where our country may be gone. There may be no 2024 election in in, in a, a true sense. The reason I say that is because back in 2008, there was a presidential candidate by the name of Ron Paul. He started the Ron Paul revolution, but he was teaching people something that I think that the Republican Party learned about. And we see the Democrats definitely learned about it with Bernie Sanders. They learned that you can actually influence your local elections by getting the electoral college, getting the people that are working in the GOP, people working in the DNC, hand-selected to support the candidate of your choice. And I think there's a real coup against Donald Trump right now to make sure that he does not have a path in order to become the nominee within the Republican Party. I I really do think that that's a a, a real thing that's going to happen. That even if Donald Trump has everybody's vote, the Republican Party could still go to their convention. And because of the way we have the electors at the convention, they could have one of the other candidates be the person and get Donald Trump off the ticket. Your vote may not matter coming up. And so that loyalty pledge is a complete false document. No one should be signing it because the GOP has no intention of having anything other than what they're going to dictate to everybody that they're going to do. And they're all watching Georgia right now. They're all watching the indictments because they want to know, is it safe to put our marbles behind Donald Trump, because if it's not, we're going to put in, you know, what was it? Uh, Order 86 or whatever uh, in Star Wars. Uh, they're basically going to nuke it all and find a way to get around this uh, as far as candidates go. So 
I, I think that all of this raising of hands, who's supporting the guy, it doesn't matter. It's going to depend on what looks good for the Republican Party. And right now, I mean, who did you like last night? Is there somebody that stood out that you're like, I could pull the lever for that individual? Be honest. Who, who could you pull the lever for? Yeah, Ronna McDaniel's an idiot. I don't know why she came up with this loyalty pledge. It makes absolutely no sense, just like you said. It definitely feels like if President Trump can avoid the heat and um, not go to jail before the next election, uh, basically, he's the clear front runner and he's clearly going to win. But it also feels like at the same time, it's not going to surprise anybody if all of these candidates team up against President Trump uh and support each other to try and take out president trump hoping that if they draw all their support together it'll be enough to overcome president trump as for the question who did i like last night um it's tough to say because uh debates if i you say who did i like their answers the most i probably liked vivek's answers the most i liked cutting funding to ukraine um i like talking about the immigration uh the two father or, I mean, the two-parent uh, system. I like how Vivek brought that up. Uh, he had some great points in the debate. But uh, as, if you're asking who debated the best, I'd say probably Nikki Haley had a really good night as far as uh, making points. I disagreed with her, certainly. It sounded like she wanted to give more money to Ukraine, which is the, uh, the last thing that I'm for. But, uh, yeah, none of these guys seemed like they were very impressive. And it almost seems like if something happened to President Trump at this point, the field would be wide open for somebody to come in late into the game, uh, maybe like a Ted Cruz or a Byron Donalds or somebody like that, because uh, so these guys are so underwhelming, Greg. None of them were impressive. So, so you, you kind of dodged my question, though, and I, I'm going to go back to it. Could you go into a voting box with only the individuals that were on stage last night and with good conscience vote for any of them? Yeah, I would vote for Ron DeSantis out of all the people on stage just because of his track record. Uh, Vivek could probably still win me over, but he hasn't got there yet. He's got a lot of unanswered questions in his past. I do like an outsider. I do agree with the theory that why keep electing to the same people that have gotten us into this mess, but I'm not so sure Vivek's that guy. Uh, he still has a lot to prove. So at this point, I would still vote for uh, Ron DeSantis if he took President Trump out of the picture. How about yourself? So I, I think that, you know, if, if, if it comes down to Biden and DeSantis, if they were the two there, I picked the Santas, and I'm going to tell people why. It's not because uh, I don't think that the Santas has his own skeletons in his closet. It's because I believe that when you're a governor, you have probably the best qualifications in order to have the presidential uh, spot. I, I don't think having somebody in Senate or Congress is good as a president. I think governor gives you all of the experience necessary in order to know the checks and balances of government because you have it on a microcosm in your state. So when you go to the federal level and you're in D.C., things make sense. And I think things would make sense for Ron DeSantis. So even though I'm not really a big fan, he's probably the only person on that stage that I could pull a lever for. Um, Nikki right. Haley, you brought her up. So I got to say she had probably one of the best nights 
out of all the people. But let's not forget who she's in bed with. She's in bed with Boeing. She's in bed with Lockheed Martin. And so all these big companies all lead back the where? The military industrial complex. What are we trying to get away from? We're trying to get away from World War III. We're trying to get away from nuclear war, Ukraine, endless wars, billions of dollars going. Nikki Haley would continue. I mark my word. She would continue the failed policies of the Biden administration with the entanglement with Russia and the Ukraine, and she would probably continue the entanglement with Taiwan. She's a dangerous candidate, uh, and I, I don't trust her. So she may be a great debater. She might have had a good evening, but I don't think that that's a good thing for the country. So uh, she, she's off my list. You were bringing up Christie uh, before the break, and I, I didn't really get right. a chance to, to talk about him. I live in Delaware, and so I have a front row seat to New Jersey. My in-laws live in New Jersey. So I got to see Christie back when he was the governor of New Jersey. And there's things that people forget about Christie that uh, I think need to be reminded of. Remember that after Superstorm Sandy, they shut down everything. And where did they find Christie? On a private beach, right? You know, sitting there. Uh, during COVID, when you couldn't access a beach, where did they find him? In his chair on the beach. There was a nice little aerial. You know, rules for thee, not for me. That's really the Chris uh, Christie entire motto. But the yeah. biggest thing that he ever did, and uh, people actually were charged for this, after Beachgate, do you remember Bridgegate? Yes. So I was in 20, actually just going to bring that up. In 2013, you know, he was uh, going and won the re-election. And after he did so, he shut down a bridge for access into New Jersey. It was the George Washington Bridge, and it caused delays and traffic jams in Fort Lee. Why did he do it? Because he wanted to punish the town's Democratic mayor because he didn't endorse him for his re-election. They found two people guilty in federal court. And a third person pleaded guilty, but they were able to kind of get out of the charges. Christie says he had nothing to do with it, that it cleared him of all wrongdoing later when they did an investigation. I'm telling you, this guy is as wicked as they come. He is only there to throw a stick in between the bicycle that Donald Trump is riding. He is not a good actor on this stage. Uh, he is a disruptor. And he is dangerous to the Republican Party. And so people should be very careful before they invite Christie into their hearts as somebody that they want to trust moving forward. And I think that was even seen. He had the best one-two punch against uh, Vivek Ramaswamy when he called him a chatbot GPT and then an average Obama. He's like, you're an average Obama. And I thought that those two were haymakers on Vivek. Vivek responded well. But the truth of the matter is, he's 100% correct. Ramaswamy has all the talking points of conservatives, but he doesn't believe any of them. And I can prove it to you eventually while we're talking. We're not going to be able to get to it right now. But me in the third segment, we can talk about that and have a conversation. But I think that if Christie's the disruptor, then we got to have common sense. Is that Donald Trump? I don't know. He was on Tucker Carlson instead. Yes. Yeah, so uh, it sounds like we're both in agreement that no one really stood out and that no one's numbers are really going to see a big boost from uh, this debate. Maybe 
uh, Vivex, the only one that might see a tiny little bump. I personally think, uh, as you said, Ron DeSantis is done. Uh, it seems like this is pretty much President Trump's race to lose at this point. It seems like these indictments have made his base even more motivated uh, to come out and vote for him. We hear all the time from Ron DeSantis supporters that President Trump's not electable. Um, I see what they're saying. He is a very polarizing guy. A lot of people hate President Trump out there. Uh, a lot of people love President Trump, though. It goes both ways. I'm a firm believer that when President Trump is on the ballot, you don't just get your traditional Republicans that come out and vote. He brings his huge base of Americans that are sick of the system and uh, support President Trump. I mean, it's unbelievable uh, the amount of support that he's riled up in the past several years. I think people shortchange that a lot. And Joe Biden is like 16, 17 points more unpopular uh, than he was when he took office. So I don't really buy the argument that President Trump is uh, unelectable. Where do you stand on that, Greg? Well, like I said, he goes on Tucker um, and gets over 200 million views. He had in the last election, 74 million view, uh, votes, 74 million votes. Let's put that in perspective. In any other election in the history of my lifetime, Donald Trump would win over and over and over again with 74 million votes. It's only because there were 81 million votes for Joe Biden, which sleepy Joe that ran his campaign out of his basement here in my home state. I have a hard time believing that he got 81 million votes while Donald Trump was filling up super stadiums, right? He was basically like the, uh, the Wembley stadium of queen. We will rock you everywhere. He went, he had 50,000 people showing up. I think he still has that energy. I think that he still has the voters in his back pocket where I think he's going to be up against it at this point in time. It comes down to Georgia. And I, I've been saying this for months. I'm not concerned about what happened in Florida with the records and documents. They all do it. He just happened to kind of, you know, he should have just handled them over and been like, oh, here they are, but they all keep stuff. I'm not concerned about what's going on in DC. Uh, with January 6th. I think that that's a, a nothing burger, as the left likes to say. What I am concerned about is the fact that 18 people were indicted in Georgia, and there seems to be some solid evidence of wrongdoing by lawyers of his. That does not mean that it's going to stick charges to him. But I think we might be seeing some people go to jail that overstep their boundaries. And that is probably going to influence the election. That's going to be where he loses some of those 74 million or 80 million votes that he has. If the hearts of people go, yeah, we can in good conscience vote for him. That stated, I think that he wins the next election. I, I, I don't see him losing. Right. Yeah. And to me, this could be one of those situations where the left has kind of overplayed their hand on Trump, right? Maybe if they hadn't came after him with Russia collusion, maybe if they didn't impeach him twice, uh, people might say, yeah, uh, there's a lot of wrongdoing here, even if there is wrongdoing. But with their track record, uh, him and his supporters have a lot of uh, base to come out and say, look, this is a political attack against President Trump and uh, get a lot of people to believe that. So uh, I think the left 
uh, being so aggressive against President Trump the last seven years uh, could really backfire him as far as public support on uh, these indictments goes. You're tuned into After Dark with Robin Andrew, which is available on America Out Loud's iHeartRadio channel Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, or 6 p.m. on the West Coast. We're here with special guest host Greg Bolden tonight of America Emboldened. If you want to check out some great products, head on over to AmericaOutloud.shop. You've got books, all kinds of great sponsors over at AmericaOutloud.shop. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Ann. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news, liberty and justice for all. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud we're back here on after dark with robin andrew special guest host greg bolden joining us tonight and uh we're gonna get going on vivek ramswamy who was perhaps the talk of the debate afterwards i know cnn was covering him a lot fox news was covering him a lot uh how dare he say that he's going to cut funding to ukraine uh, some of the other things he said uh, were a lot more controversial than what the other people were willing to say, came out and said that he would give President Trump a pardon, got into Mike Pence 
debate with him over that a little bit. Mike Pence said that he would have to uh, hear President Trump out and uh, make his mind up after the fact. But uh, Ramswamy is coming out saying he's going to give the pardon. This guy is uh, saying a lot of what people want to hear. Uh, I know a lot of people think perhaps maybe he's a snake oil salesman, though. He's got some connections with George Soros. I know Rob's very skeptical of uh, Vivek and says that Vivek still has a lot to prove. But uh, this is what a Republican primary is for. Uh, Greg, I know that you have some reservations on Vivek. What do you what were your thoughts on his performance? And uh, what do you think of Vivek's chances? Well, I, I hate to uh, burst everybody's bubble here, but I want you to follow me down a rabbit hole for for a little bit. All right, let's let's take a trip down the rabbit hole. Let's educate the After Dark listeners a little bit about Ramaswamy that you may not know. Okay, first, what better way to become the vice presidential candidate than to start being out there saying, well, yeah, I'd give him a pardon. Well, yeah, I do everything to say all the right things in order to have Donald Trump select you as the vice president. But what if I told you that he's a plant? What if I told you this is nothing more than the swamp trying to get their person in, in order to circumvent the next Donald Trump presidency? Because that's what it's looking like to me, because there is nothing authentic about this individual. Do you remember Martin Shkreli, the big pharma bro who purchased the medicine and then raised the cost to outlandish cost where people could not get life-saving medicine that used to only cost dollars on the penny, but all of a sudden they cost $1,000? Do you remember that story, Andrew? I do not. Okay. So Martin Shkreli ended up going to jail. He went to jail because uh, he was basically doing like hedge funds and swindling people out of money. Guess who his best friend was? Vivek Ramaswamy. Not only was he his best friend, but Vivek helped broker the deal for the drugs that he raised the cost on. Now, that would be the first part that I just want to kind of set in the people's minds. The second part I want to either have in the back of your mind is this. If you go back to the Wayback Machine and you Google in Vivek Ramaswamy's Wikipedia page, in 2017, it states very clearly on there that he received money from Paul and Daisy Soros Foundation for his schooling. But here's the problem with that. He was already a millionaire in 2011 when he accepted these funds. He did not need their money. So what was really going on with George Soros's brother propping up his Yale Law School education? And then why was it from the time he went to school and got this money in 2011 to just six years later, he was worth $600 million. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't even been able to make that type of uh, investment in money as somebody playing the stock market over the course of like 20 years of working, right? And even on a fraction of that scale, I'd love to make that type of money. So that's the second thing I want people to think about. The third thing is he's not being forthright with the people that he's campaigning to. Because there's a report that came out and I verified it. And uh, I, I posted this, I believe on last Thursday show on the network. He paid Wikipedia to scrub his page of any mention that he was tied to the Soros Foundation. Now, in May, when this story came out, all of a sudden 
it reappeared on the Wikipedia page. Don't believe me? Go to the Wayback Machine where all of this is archived, and you can see that he's done this. But here's why that matters. This is not the first time that he's wanted something scrubbed from the internet. Remember, I started with Martin Shkreli? It's because he wanted that scrubbed as well. He started doing media appearance saying, well, I was never friends with the guy. Meanwhile, Martin's like, well, we made tens of millions of dollars. What do you mean? And if that's not bad enough, then we also know that there was an Alzheimer's drug that went through four failed trials. And what does Ramaswamy do? But his investment firm buys it up. They repurpose and sell it as if it's something that's working to another company, making about $100 million off of it. You can look this up as well. And so GlaxoSmithKline, after he delivered it, they realized they had a dud. Now, does that sound like somebody who is going to have the best interest of the American public or a swindler who's making money off the American public? Because when you talk about people's health and you talk about Alzheimer's, a horrible disease, affects my family personally. I don't have the time of day for somebody who's like, I'm going to make money off this fake therapy that we already know has failed. And then we get to him talking on stage about being a liberty candidate, the candidate that's going to uphold the entire constitution. Oh, really, Vivek? All we have to do is go back onto your Twitter page and we can find that you were pro-masks, that you were pro-mandates, that you were pro-COVID vaccines. You didn't want people to have their liberty to have that conversation. But the most damning thing that we can find about Ramaswamy came out just a few days ago. He tried to sell the federal government a national medical surveillance system. You can look this straight up, okay? Go to thetruthpress.com. Vivek Ramaswamy tried to sell the feds a national medical surveillance system, and you'll find it elsewhere as well. Now, if we look at our central bank digital currency, we look at social credit scores, we look at COVID as the test run to put everybody under one umbrella. Guess who's behind in almost all of those things? The investment firm of Ramaswamy. But Andrew, I know I've been talking a lot, but it gets worse. His brother, Shankar Ramaswamy, he's a doctor. What do you think he's a doctor of? He's a doctor of gene editing therapies like mRNA and mod RNA. He's a person who's at the forefront of all of the COVID type of research that we saw. And not only that, all you got to do is go to his LinkedIn profile and you see him proudly standing alongside Obama. You see him proudly just invited a few months ago with Joe Biden and Jill Biden in the White House standing side by side saying, so great to have friends like the Bidens. But this Ramaswamy guy, right? He's the guy that is the savior. He's the guy that's saying all the things. He's a snake in sheep's, wolf in sheep's clothing. And I would agree with Rob. He is a snake. I'm telling listeners, they're telling me on Twitter, they're like, Greg, you have it wrong. I don't have it wrong. I've nailed this one. A vote for Ramaswamy is voting away your freedoms and voting for a Democrat. Don't do it, ladies and gentlemen. Well, great research, Greg. Thanks for providing that. Uh, he's certainly a smooth talker, and he's figured out uh, what people want to hear, and that's what he's been saying. But uh, his track record perhaps will be too much uh, for people to get over. Uh, do you think that President Trump is onto this and is even considering this guy for VP? Or uh, let me ask you this. Do you think anybody on that stage uh, would be a good vice president for President Trump, or would you rather see him look elsewhere? I think he should look elsewhere. 
Um, I, I don't think that anybody on that stage is deserving anywhere of the White House, because we also have to be honest about this conversation. Right. We, it, I told you during the break that a lot of things is like the common sense, bring people together and thinking this logically. Donald Trump is not that much younger than Joe Biden. There is a possibility that he could die after being elected. And that's a sad possibility, whether it's Joe Biden or it's Donald Trump, right? Death is, is always said, all human life matters. I don't care what your political views are. But the reality is electing Donald Trump is electing somebody that's untested to likely survive the four-year term that's going to be required of him. And this guy's under immense pressure right now. Like, I don't know how his heart is handling all this. Donald Trump is an absolute warrior when it comes to being able to handle all this. So I, I don't doubt that he could live four years. But it means that we have to have more scrutiny on the vice presidential candidate, because if we're going to elect somebody like a Joe Biden, do you want Kamala Harris as vice president? Hell no, I don't. So you're electing Donald Trump. Do you want Vivek Ramaswamy as the vice president? I think he's a plant. I think that's the main plan. They want him there because he's a globalist, but you don't want to do that. Do you want somebody like Christie? Do you want somebody like Ron DeSantis that's really Ron, I think, has a ability to go into fascism. We can get into that maybe some other time when we got more time. But I, I think that what he did with Disney started off in good spots, but I think it was an overreach of government. And so I can't go with where, where his plan was. Like At some point in time, you have to believe in free market economics and the fact that society can correct, and other times you can tamper with that. And I think that Ron has learned his lesson there that maybe he's gone too far, but I don't want him there. So if I'm Donald Trump and I'm looking at this, I think there's two things that I got to ask a question for us to think about. The first is when Donald Trump first went to D.C., he said he was going to drain the swamp. It looked like he became the swamp at times. Bill Barr, right? Like for, for all the amount of people that resigned, uh, the people that he had to fire and let go, the swamp is so deep that I don't think Donald Trump had his head above the swamp. I think he was immersed in it, not on purpose, but because it's very difficult not to be immersed in it. So the question is, do I trust his judgment on who he would pick? And I'm questionable on whether or not he could find somebody that is an approved candidate right now that we're looking at, which is why I believe it's got to be an outsider. And I'm going to tell you a name that I think would be phenomenal, but at the same time, people's jaws would drop. And I don't even know if it's legal, but I think it is. Donald Trump Jr. Can you imagine Donald Trump saying, me and my son, Donald Trump Jr., we're going to run for the election? As you said, uh, the rest of these candidates are just so underwhelming, especially after that debate. None of them stood out. Uh, none of them got you excited to vote for them. And uh, as a libertarian, Greg, uh, where did you come off on the uh, Ukraine issue? That was probably the most important issue to me, because the way I'm looking at these candidates is if we get someone that comes in there and wants to give Ukraine even more money than what Joe Biden's giving them, what's the point of voting for them? I mean, what's the difference going to be? Uh, we don't want these neocons coming in and starting up another uh, World War III uh, situation here. So I, I've worked pretty extensively on covering the Humanity for Peace mo movement. Uh, I was down in D.C. for the Rage Against the War Machine uh, rally, which brought together libertarians, Republicans, Democrats, communists, all across the, the, the global spectrum of political ideology. 
the one thing that is very clear to me that's very important, anybody that is supporting giving more money to a war effort in Ukraine and Russia is risking a global nuclear disaster. It is completely making us unsafe. The blowback that we're going to experience from this is dire. If you think about the fact that our economy is already weakened, right? Our, our interest rates for homes are at about 8%. People, it's costing about $180,000 more over the cost of a 30-year loan. And yet we keep printing more money to give to a foreign country to fight war efforts. These politicians are fighting a proxy war against Vladimir Putin. Now, I'm not saying that I'm on Vladimir Putin's side in any way, shape, or form. I believe that you should uh, respect the sovereign borders of all countries. We're at a spot where we should transcend as humanity and not be getting into new wars, right? We should be, how much land is enough land? And Russia has plenty of land. Ukraine has nice land. Let's just all respect it. Live nice. There's no need for wars, no need for hurt feelings and killing people. These individuals that want to give more money, they're okay with death. And they're okay with death because it's not happening to their sons and daughters. They are okay with the death of Ukrainians to fund a war against an ideology that I'm not even sure it still exists the way that you and I were taught it exists. Like, I'm not sure that if you and I started having interviews with the average Russian citizen on our shows, that we would have too much un in, that's not in common with those individuals as far as what they want out of life. Uh, Greg, where's the best chance to uh, check out your show? Uh, when do you post the new episodes? Yeah, so new episodes are coming out. Uh, I was doing five times a week. We're down to three days a week because I'm now focusing on more video content on all social platforms like X. But Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you can find America Emboldened live on the America Out Loud Network. And uh, they normally have the shows posted by about 1 p.m. Uh, each day. I'm not on the radio network, uh, but you'll get interviews from individuals in government as well as individuals throughout America been covering the Maui wildfires accounts from the ground. Uh, so this week, you know, if you're listening to this show, uh, the Monday show, I have one of the people who lost everything in Lahaina. So I highly recommend you go check that out. And then you can follow me at real Greg Bolden on X, which is formerly Twitter. And I uh, appreciate your follow and enjoy bringing information to individuals to help make sure that people are, are more informed and informed like you and I are, Andrew. Thank you for having me on the show too. I appreciate you reaching out. Indeed. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And thank you all for joining us on After Dark with Rob and Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, wherever you stream. Please like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, two thumbs up, or go to AmericaOutloud.news where you can find thousands of podcasts and articles, find our full archive of shows. And we'll see you guys next time. And remember, stand for something or fall for nothing. That does not mean that it's going to stick charges to him. But I think we might be seeing some people go to jail that overstep their boundaries. And that is probably going to influence the election. That's going to be where he loses some of those 74 million or 80 million votes that he has. If the hearts of people go, yeah, we can in good conscience vote for him. That stated, I think that he wins the next election. I, I, I don't see him losing. Right.
Yeah, and to me, this could be one of those situations where the left has kind of overplayed their hand on Trump, right? Maybe if they hadn't came after him with Russia collusion, maybe if they didn't impeach him twice, uh, people might say, yeah, uh, there's a lot of wrongdoing here, even if there is wrongdoing. But with their track record, uh, him and his supporters have a lot of uh, base to come out and say, look, this is a political attack against President Trump and uh, get a lot of people to believe that. So uh, I think the left uh, being so aggressive against President Trump's the last seven years uh, could really backfire him as far as public support on uh, these indictments goes. You're tuned in to After Dark with Robin Andrew, which is available on America Out Loud's iHeartRadio channel Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, or 6 p.m. on the West Coast. We're here with special guest host Greg Bolden tonight of America Emboldened. If you want to check out some great products, head on over to AmericaOutloud.shop. You've got books, all kinds of great sponsors over at AmericaOutloud.shop. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Andrew. 